This is the Fighter Pilot Podcast, Episode 33. This week, retired United States Marine Corps Chief Warrant Officer Ricky Savage joins us to discuss the support offered to the families of Navy and Marine Corps service members who perish in aviation-related mishaps via an organization known as the Wingman Foundation. Welcome to the Fighter Pilot Podcast, the internet radio show that explores the fascinating world of air combat, the aircraft, the weapon systems, and most importantly, the people. Now, here's your host, retired U.S. Navy fighter pilot, Vincent Aiello. and welcome to the Fighter Pilot Podcast. I am Jello. And I'm Sunshine. And this is episode 33. We will be talking about the Wingman Foundation and a little extra bit actually on the Wings Over America organization as well. But before we do, as always, some quick announcements and I think we'll have time for some listener questions today, Sunshine. Excellent, Jello. Good. So what's new in your world there, dude? Hey, man. So just uh, plugging away at my new job, consulting for some weapons for the Navy and uh, absolutely enjoying it. Good. How about you? Uh, well, I've been on vacation for a couple weeks, which probably some listeners who follow us on social media have noticed because I've been busy trying some new different types of videos on YouTube. We've been recording other videos like our own Flight Over the Mountains and then a couple very popular YouTube videos on landing on a carrier. And I've been narrating what the viewer is seeing in those and people really like it. Oh, very cool. Yep. But anyway... I'm coming off vacation here pretty soon and have my first flight over the Atlantic with my airline. I'll be heading to Paris on Sunday. How's your French? Uh, not so good. And if I knew not so good in French, I would have said so. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, on a more serious note, this last week we lost George Herbert Walker Bush, not only a former president, but a former naval aviator, passed away at the age of 94 years old there, Sunshine. Wow, Jello. I mean, it's just amazing that he is such a statesman. And before so, he was a military service member. That just says a lot to me. And a tailhooker like you and I. And he even got shot down in World War II by the Japanese and I think was the only survivor in his airplane. You are correct. Yeah. And he's picked up. Was he picked up by a submarine? I remember he was shot down in a Dauntless, an SPD Dauntless. Right. I believe he was a friendly submarine, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. And went on to lead a very successful life in a lot of different ways, including as the highest ranking military member, the commander in chief. So... Our hearts go out to the Bush family. They had a very touching memorial service this whole past week, including a 21-plane flyby of F-18s out of NAS Oceana. That looked pretty cool. Very cool. Excellent. In other news, we have quite a few new Patreon division leads to announce there, Sunshine. I know you're always excited to hear that. Absolutely. Tell me more. Well, we have Anthony Unra. We have Joel Corrente, Andrew Moroglo, Eric Eppel, Zucker, and John Perry. Now, let me tell you about John Perry, Sunshine. Okay. His wife signed him up. His call sign is Zoloft. He is a growler pilot and recently graduated from the TPS school in Patuxent River, Maryland. Congratulations, Zoloft, and just finishing one of the uh, toughest courses, I think, around. Excellent. Well, we'll have to see where he goes on, and maybe we can drag him onto the show sometime to talk about something. We're going to be looking for folks that have a growler background when we start our new series on different aircraft. So excellent. All right. Well, we always enjoy the support 
of our Patreon folks. And again, if you're not familiar, go over to patreon.com, search for the Fighter Pilot Podcast, and two things can happen. One, you can get access to exclusive content. And secondly, you can help keep this show going. Hopefully it's your favorite and your help is important to keeping the show going. So thank you in advance for that. All right, I think we have time for some listener questions, Sunshine. The first one is from Jordan McVeigh. Speaking of Patreon division leads, he is one. He says, I imagine there are no simulators on a carrier, but when you were stationed at a ground base, did you have regular simulator time? And Sunshine, you and I just talked about this on a previous episode. We did, yeah. So, hey, Jordan, thank you very much for your uh, contributions and also for your question. You're absolutely correct. There are no simulators on board, but we do have them on the base. And it's not a regular scheduled event, except there's definitely uh, two annual checks that we have to complete, and they're traditionally just for cost-effectiveness done in the simulator. That's going to be our annual NATOPS check and our instrument checks. Now, other than that, it's going to be on a uh, scheduled as required. So some folks may say, hey, we're going to go to the boat soon, go back to the boat, so I want to practice, we'll do some warm-up, do some practicing procedures in the simulator for being around or in the boat environment. But I would say it's not very regular, it's just uh, as required. Right. The only thing I would add to that is if you are going through what the Air Force might term an upgrade syllabus, where you are, let's say, brand new from the FRS, and we've talked about this before on the show, then you might have as part of your syllabus to become a combat-ready wingman, you may have some simulators where they expose you to different weapons that are more specialized that we don't fly with all the time. And then later, when you come back to be a combat-ready section lead, flying around in the lead of that wingman that you were a year ago, then you will go through those same simulators, but you're expected to be able to instruct on them or at least speak of them knowledgeably. So, yep, not a regular occurrence, but depending on what we're doing, simulators are used. Yeah, excellent. Hey, Jello, so we had another question from a Louis Ferrer. He was wondering if there's a formula for knowing when to start turning an arc directly behind a bogey during a head-to-head engagement. Ah, a formula. No, Louis, there is no formula. Uh, the question implies if X, then Y, and neighborhood of Z and all that. It really comes down to learning about the adversary that you're fighting and whether you want to force a one circle or a two circle fight. And we haven't gotten into that yet on this show. And I'm hoping to have in the future an episode on BFM or dogfighting or 1v1, whatever you want to call it. And we can go into those concepts then. But it really comes down to line of sight rates and your energy state, his energy state, your altitude, what you know about the threat. There's a lot to it. I suppose you could argue it's formulaic in so much as you have to take all these bits of knowledge and put them into your head and come up with a game plan, but it's not a mathematical formula based on speed and altitude. I agree. Excellent. Hey, and then final phone-in question, Jello. Do you know many pilots that smoke? Well, let's play the question. Hi, Jello. Hi, Sunshine. Uh, my name is Jonathan from South Florida. I'm currently studying to be a professional pilot, and hopefully in the future I can join the military and be a fighter pilot. In the last episode, you mentioned that you had some problems with the last round in questions, and you mentioned mine about smoking, so I'd like to re-ask it. Uh, my question was, do many fighter pilots smoke like uh, so many other members of the military? Uh, And if they do, is there a noticeable difference in their performance under pressure or under high G loads? Because what I've learned is that smokers are more susceptible to different types of hypoxia. 
So I was just wondering if it degrades your performance or your ability to be tactical in any kind of way. Thank you. Like the show and have a good one. All right, Jonathan, thanks for the question. I only knew a couple fighter pilots who regularly smoked cigarettes. A lot of fighter pilots and other military aviators would smoke the occasional cigar in port, including me, although I finally gave that up because I just didn't really like the feeling of it. But for the reasons you mentioned and that also Commander Susan Jay mentioned on episode six, it has a huge performance degradation toll on your body, your ability to withstand shorter bouts of lack of oxygen, i.e. you're more susceptible to hypoxia, your ability to pull and sustain Gs. There's just nothing, frankly, good health-wise about smoking. So most people were wise enough not to, but a handful did. Uh, did you know any, Sunshine, that smoked? Yeah, of my three different squadrons, I only knew, so that's, I'm going to say roughly uh, probably about 50 folks or so pilots. I knew two. That was it. Okay. So two out of 50, about 4%. So yeah, yeah most people don't bother. And again, of those 50, I bet Sunshine, a couple of more you would see with a cigar if that was the right kind of establishment in port or something, huh? Yeah, there usually was a squadron event with a it's kind of scotch and smoker, if you will. Right. Well, that will do it for questions for this week. If you have a question you'd like to submit for the show, you can email it to us at questions at fighterpilotpodcast.com or call our listener line and our announcer, Jim, will provide that phone number at the end of this episode. Well then, Sunshine, let's get right into our interview with Chief Warrant Officer Ricky Savage, call sign Leroy, and we'll pick this back up on the other side. Sounds like a plan. All right, today on the Fighter Pilot Podcast, we are welcoming United States Marine Chief Warrant Officer Ricky Savage. Leroy, welcome to the Fighter Pilot Podcast, bud. Thank you. Thanks for having the Wingman Foundation here today. You bet. And that is exactly what we're going to talk about. But we have a little tradition on the show. We like to get to know our guests first. So could you give us a quick background on where you're from, what your career has been, and where you are now, please? Sure. I was uh, enlisted Marine for a number of years. actually went to a boot camp right here in San Diego. Uh, originally grew up in Sacramento, California. Joined the Marine Corps when I was 18 years old. Came down to San Diego, finished my training. Uh, and then uh, as an enlisted Marine, I spent a number of years in the uh, F-18 community uh, as an airframes mechanic. Rose to the rank of gunnery sergeant. After that, I decided that I would like to do a little bit more in the Corps, so I applied for and was accepted to the Marine Warrant Officer Program. Subsequently, I became uh, Aviation Engineer Officer and then also Combat Air Crew on the V-22 Osprey. So it was, uh, it was a great ride. Uh, I got to do and see a lot of things. Uh, I ended up doing 25 years and one month in the Marine Corps, wow. uh, about 10 deployments. Uh, 10 deployments. 10 deployments. <laughs> so I was able to do a lot of cool things as well because I spent time on Navy carriers when I was enlisted. Uh, then was able to go out after I was an officer with the Marine Expeditionary Units. Saw pretty much, I would say, a lot of the different facets of naval aviation. Uh, I've worked at all three levels of maintenance. Uh, I'm very grateful for the opportunities that I was given in the Corps. Took advantage of all of them, uh, and I'm just happy to be here now and retired. Okay. And what are you doing in your retired life? You're not just sitting around uh, on a rocking chair, I'm guessing. No, I uh, for a real job, i got to make some money. Uh, I work back with the V-22 Osprey program, essentially as a director of maintenance. Uh, I work uh, helping, uh, making sure that the aircraft get repaired uh, for the heavy maintenance on time, on schedule. 
I work with some great individuals uh, right there at uh, MCAS Miramar. So that's what I do for the what I call my big kid job. But really, my passion is the actual Wingman Foundation. So uh, when you don't find me at work at Miramar, you will find me working on Wingman stuff. And that is why we are together today. I have been working on you guys for months. And I'll give you a quick background. Back in March, a couple months into this odyssey, that is the Fighter Pilot Podcast, we had a string of mishaps. And I don't need to tell you, you're familiar, but for the listeners... You might remember this. We touched on it. And, and I felt a little impotent because people were saying, oh, this is tragic and what can we do? And I had no real outlet for conveying people's grief into something they could do. So I looked around and I found the Wingman Foundation and we struck up a conversation with some of your leadership. And now here you are today to help explain it. So tell us quickly what the Wingman Foundation is, its mission specifically. And then I want to talk a little bit about why you guys exist. But what is the Wingman Foundation? The Wingman Foundation, it was an organization that we founded in 2014, right after we had lost, well, yet another young Marine in naval aviation, which is inherently a dangerous business. But the reason that the Wingman Foundation came into existence was the three founders, uh, all three good friends of mine, decided at one point that passing the hat around the ready room when a mishap occurred or going down to the maintenance shops, ask money for flowers, or maybe there's a memorial or something. We kind of got tired of that. Uh, sorry, my phone keeps going off. Uh, we're unfortunately responding to a mishap right now. So the founders had that idea, and two of us were overseas, myself and Phil Duong, who's one of the founders. We were stationed in Kuwait, getting ready to launch uh, a mission up into Iraq, and one of our fellow squadrons was out in the Gulf. Uh, Osprey came off a, of a ship Unfortunately, went to the water. They recovered the aircraft, but we lost a crew chief, a young man named Jordan Spears, who myself and Phil both knew from VMM-163. Uh, I personally had flown with everybody on that aircraft that went in the water that day. So it was very real for us. Two days later, we had to fly the exact same mission profile. So two days later, the Evil Eyes landed in Kuwait. Uh, and I watched a, a lot of my friends, crew chiefs and pilots, get off those airplanes. And I'll never forget what they looked like. I knew at that point that I needed to do something. I was on the end of my career. I didn't know what it was, but I, I felt the need. And then fortunately, my good friend Phil and two of his friends that he you know, grew up with in the Marine Corps with, both pilots as well, started the Wingman Foundation. And since 2014, October 1st, we're now in support of our 28th mishap and raised in excess of a million dollars. Wow. And I want to talk in depth in this interview about the Wingman Foundation, but let's take a step back. And this question might be a little obvious, I suppose, especially to you and me, but for everyone else, you know, what we do is risky. You mentioned that earlier, but what, what is it about it that, I mean, driving a car is dangerous. What is it that distinguishes some of the risk of what we do in military aviation, specifically Navy and Marine Corps aviation? Uh, that's a good question. I would like to say first that both of us have spent a lot of time in naval aviation. There are a lot of safeties out there, and, and people should realize that we have incredibly well-trained individuals, from the mechanics to the air crew, everything. But like you said, it's an inherently dangerous business. You're right. Driving a car is dangerous. Driving a race car is a lot more dangerous. Right. So I think that's a little bit more comparative. And I, what I mean by that is faster speeds. They're driving in packs. They're doing things that a normal driver doesn't do. Well, maybe at rush hour, you can kind of feel that way. But unfortunately, we, we have to train to a certain standard. We have to fly at night. We have to fly in close formation. Uh, I was a V-22 individual, which is a helicopter and an airplane at times. We fly in and out of zones very quickly. 
at night, uh, sometimes under fire. And to do that, you have to train at a certain level. And that's why you will see probably more aircraft mishaps. Well, you do see more aviation mishaps due to training than you do to combat losses. Right. So to answer the question, it's, it's just when you put that much more energy into something, I think that the variables raise. And, and unfortunately, sometimes I'll just go ahead and say it. Murphy shows up because we've both been on flights where everything just went wrong. And the only reason we came back is just one thing went right. That's right. Yeah. And I think to add to that, you know, what raises the attention level of the nation when a mishap happens in aviation is a couple things. Number one, it's obviously taxpayer provided aircraft, and that's the least of the concerns really. But I think more to the point, you know, a guy who's commuting home from work and, and is in a car crash and passes away, that's tragic. There's no doubt about it. Any loss of life, I would argue, is is tragic. But in the military, you're in the service of something greater. And so when we lose sailors and Marines and the other branches, but we'll speak specifically today to those two, there's something a little more reverent about that because they are serving someone besides themselves. And they're doing it a lot of times in faraway places, in austere conditions, Maybe for not the greatest pay. I mean, you were enlisted for a while, so you know I was a Cush officer, so, you know, a little different for us. But again, as a pilot, I certainly saw that. And there's an element of, I don't know, I don't want to call it romance, but there's some patriotism, there's some glory to it. And so, to your earlier point, when something happens, the natural reaction is we all need to do something. And it sounds like that's how the Wingman Foundation came to be. That's exactly correct. It's very impressive, and I'd like, I always point out, <laughs> they get a little upset with me when I do it. Uh, this is three Marine Corps captains, not majors, not lieutenant colonels. This was just three individuals that had enough. And the reason I bring that up is we have other organizations out there that, that you, you would think would have started it, maybe a retired colonel or something, and mm-hmm. it wasn't. And, and I'm so proud of those individuals for doing that because they didn't take no for an answer. Something occurred. Uh, let me back up a little bit. Even before October 1st of 2014, which was the day that we lost Jordan Spears, Jack uh, and Phil and Ken all lived in Pacific Beach, and they were selling wingman shirts out of the back of their car. That's quite literally how this million-dollar charity started. Wow. But it's so impressive how it just started with that, uh, and then one mishap after another mishap, and kind of just... We are definitely an asset that Headquarters Marine Corps utilizes, uh, and our next goal is to be a little bit more familiar with the Navy. We've supported multiple Navy mishaps, but Navy Air is a lot larger than Marine Air, so getting to know specific communities is a goal for us in 2019. Right. Well, back to something you said at the beginning, uh, I appreciate you still making the time for this interview because when we met, your phone was blowing up and it's still over there buzzing. I usually tell my guests to turn it off, but I just thought it might be an interesting effect for people to hear. Give us a quick summary of what you're allowed to say of what you know, uh, what just happened, what, a few hours ago? Yes. As I was driving down for the podcast today, we unfortunately were, were notified that there was a mishap overseas. At this point, we know that a C-130 and an F-18, both marine aircraft, crashed uh, somewhere in the vicinity of Japan. According to the news articles right now, uh, there is one recovered, and I'm not really sure what the condition is. Uh, one air crew? One air crew recovered. Okay. Not sure what the condition is. That's really as far as I'd go with that. Uh, but what I will wow. speak to is uh, the Wingman Foundation's mishap response team is instant support. While we were prepping for this interview, I was talking to the mishap response team of I'm the mishap response coordinator, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the director of operations. So got the team together, assigned a couple mishap leads, and now we're in the preliminaries of figuring out how we can best support that mishap. And when I say best support that, 
it's simple as this. Whatever the government cannot pay for, and the government, they do what they can, and they have a good program, but there's simply a lot of expenses, extra plane tickets, memorials that they don't have the money for. We will take care of all of it. They being the family? They, yes, the, the Gold right. Star families, and we will also take care of the unit in terms of follow-on memorials, a reception, any of those things. We refer to them as ancillary costs. Whatever the government does not pay for, we will go find the money and make sure that the family or unit does not have to pay for. Well, first off, obviously, our hearts and thoughts and prayers go out to the families and the squadrons, too. It affects them, affected by the mishap in Japan. C-130 and an F-18, like, related, like, in close proximity to each other? From, or do we know? I, I, the, what I, or just coincidence that it was the same time? I believe they were in the same flight, uh, oh, wow. but I don't want to really go any okay. farther than that. And just to put a timestamp on this, which we don't normally do, but since this is basically breaking news, this is December 5th at about 4 in the afternoon uh, San Diego time. And then I also want to get back to your point about the captains, uh, the Marine captains. They're the backbone of the Marine Corps, I would argue, as well as the warrant officers and probably the gunnery sergeants. Yep. They're the folks that are getting things done without a lot of the glory, and good on them for taking the initiative here to, to get this done. And so what I hear you saying, Ricky, is the Wingman Foundation, if a mishap occurs, steps in and embraces the squadron and the family right away. Is that essentially what you're saying? Absolutely. Okay. And they take donations, right? You yes. said this is a nonprofit. And so, for example, in the next couple of days, hard to know, but based on previous mishaps, what could the family, let's say, of the F-18 pilot expect out of the Wingman Foundation? Okay, uh, and, I'll, and I'll talk in very general terms here because sure. I don't know the conditions. So, for example, I will well, if use... If you want to use a recent example... I will. So, okay. uh, unfortunately, last year, a Navy Squadron VRC had a C-2 go down at sea. There were three sailors out of 11 that were lost. The pilot, Stephen Combs, uh, did what he could to save the aircraft and unfortunately lost his life saving others. His family wanted to go to Japan because that's where we were stationed at to see where Steve lived and then go down to where the actual squadron was located at. Once again, the government took care of uh, primary next of kin and some other things per the order. There was just others that would like to go. Uh, so we enabled the extra family members to go. And we don't ask a lot of questions. We, of course, vet every mishap. But if a Gold Star family needs something for closure or to celebrate their fallen, we'll do it. And this mishap just occurred. That's a large aircraft, so I, I don't want to. Uh, well, I don't, I don't want to try to guess on what exactly is going to happen. But I can tell you this: whatever the families need while they're on island in Japan or back here at Konis, we will provide. And describe, I think it's implied, but describe what a Gold Star family is, please. A Gold Star family is a family that has a service member lost while they're in service. Uh, it does not have to be combat loss. It's just a, an active duty or reserve individual <laughs> that's in service that, that unfortunately dies. And I think they've used that term since at least World War II, correct? Yes. As a matter of fact, service members that were deployed would, I believe, have a blue star in the window. And then if the service member was killed, they would change it with a gold star. So it would alert the neighborhood or the community that that individual is now lost. You said earlier that you are working with the Marine Corps. So is this an endorsed organization? I mean, do, do they, maybe they don't rely on you, but do they understand that you guys exist and endorse what you do? Uh, I certainly do not want to speak for the Marine Corps. Uh, I wouldn't say that they endorse us. Uh, however, uh, we have very close ties to senior uh, Marine aviation leadership and they know specifically through friends of ours who we are. Uh, so once again, I, I'm not saying that we're endorsed, but I, I would like to think that they realize that we're probably 
their first unofficial source. And they know that if they call, we'll pick up the phone. Right. And just to be clear, most service members, unless they elect not to, have what's known as servicemen's group life insurance, SGLI. Yes. And so an aviator... And that is what the Wingman Foundation focuses on, aviation-related mishaps, correct? Well, yes, but I would like to make something clear. Okay. That, uh, so, unfortunately, majority of the people that get hurt in aviation are flyers, whether they're actual pilots or air crew. Right. Uh, but we cover everything. Uh, since our inception, we've actually helped out three different maintainers. Uh, so, if it's anybody that's in support of naval aviation, if they're a pilot or air crew in the air or they're on the ground, mm-hmm. uh, for example, uh, we unfortunately had a mishap earlier this year involving a Navy H-60 here at North Island. They came back in to get some fuel and to change out the air crew. Very, very normal operation. And unfortunately, the drop tank came off the aircraft and crushed this person. It doesn't make a difference whether it's in the air or on the ground. Uh, If they're in support of aviation, we got them covered. If an airplane is is connected to the mishap, that's unfortunate to hear. Exactly. So... Generally speaking, again, service members will have this benefit, and I believe it used to be about $400,000 when I was in. I don't know if it's changed since then. So money is available to families, but you guys are kind of filling the gaps. Is that correct? Yes. In other uh, words, there's either an amount or a time or something along those lines? Right. That's a good question. So, yes, SGLI still exists for service members. However, what I think people have to realize is, well, I recently had a Gold Star wife tell me this, and I didn't, re- I didn't realize until she said it. As soon as the event occurs, the paycheck stops. And that's just how that is. You really? Know, you, you, the individual's not doing the work anymore. So mm. now the entitlements kick in and you SGLI. So I, I don't want to say that the Navy and Marine Corps don't take care of their families. Right. They do. However, that $400,000 is now that family's substance for, for a period of time. Uh, assuming that maybe it's a young wife with two kids at home, you know, they're in their early twenties and now the husband doesn't come home anymore. So that $400,000, which seems like a lot of money needs to get that family through a lot of stuff. Oh yeah. The ancillary costs of multiple family members coming out to memorial or to the funeral or this individual having to leave, having to leave their, uh, apartment and go to the, there's just all these things that can eat away into that money that really needs, the family needs to keep. And when I say the family, it's, it's, you know, obviously have the nuclear family that would be either the mother, father, or the, or the wife, our children, but we take care of extended family. And it's to the point where we will work with the command and ask them very specifically, who would you like between the family to come out? And if the government can't fund it, we do we vet everything obviously, right. but but quite honestly, if if it's in support of the family, they're coming out. That I, I believe, and the other foundation members believe that people give us money specifically for that. The money they give us, we are very trusted stewards of. We protect it. However, the expectation is when somebody calls, we take care of them. Right. So we take it very seriously. Speaking of money, it's always a touchy subject, but I think it's worth covering. First mm-hmm. off, where does the money come from that supports the Wingman Foundation? That's a good question. Uh, it can be a touchy subject, but we're a business. We're, we're a nonprofit, but we're a business, and mm-hmm. I feel very strongly about how we, we manage it. So the money comes from multiple different sources. We're very fortunate in the fact that we really don't have to do that much of aggressive fundraising. or uh, uh, We have a fund development plan, of course, mm-hmm. uh, and we have multiple people helping us. But really, we just tell people what we're doing via social media or our events, and the money comes from many independent donors. We've also had, uh, for example, Lockheed Martin gave us a check for $15,000 this year. So we're starting to get into the realm of corporate donations. But really, it's just our sisters and brothers from the fleet. For example, headquarters of Wingman is my house down here in San Diego. 
which maybe I shouldn't tell people. <laughs> but uh, so I get all the mail there. And okay. it doesn't surprise me anymore to get a $5,000 check. I'm incredibly appreciative. And we, we, we certainly reached out to that individual. But this time last year, I remember at one point on my kitchen table, there was a check for $10, for $50, and for $10,000. And quite honestly, all the checks meant the same to me. Right. Monetarily, they're a little different. But the individual that wrote that $10 check was a lady. She's a little older. Her husband was a naval aviator in Vietnam. He had recently passed away. And the handwritten notes we get are, are pretty spectacular. I, I keep them all. Uh, she simply said that her and her husband were naval aviation for a lot of years. She really respected what we were doing, and she wanted to send that money. <sighs> now, this is I guarantee you that that money, that $10, meant as much as that person that sent the $10,000 yeah. out. And when you see things like that, it's, it's almost indescribable. Because I, I don't know how we got that started, but we have convinced people, rightfully so, that we will do the right thing with it, but it humbles us. It's relative. It's very relative. It's a degree of what can you afford. You know, there's, right. a, there's a best-selling book that's been on the market for thousands of years, and the main character tells a story about a lady who didn't give as much as the guys before when they came to do their donations, but she gave all she could. And she was going to be, you know, the, the most blessed. And, and I think that applies here as well, is there's people out there who do what they can, and it's really not about the amount, no, although it, it can be to the families when it comes to flying people to Japan, for example. But it's an extension of their hearts. And to bring this back around, that is why I'm so glad that we're able to finally have this interview, because I want to be able to, both for myself, but also for my listeners, have a link so that the next time, and it sounds like it, it is today, unfortunately, but the next time something happens, we can make available for our listeners the ability, if they feel so inclined, to contribute to the Wingman Foundation, because you make a real difference in those families' lives. And when this episode airs, we will be adding a link on our homepage where people, if, again, they feel so inclined, can click through and support the Wingman Foundation. No, that would be great. Uh, one point I would like to add as well is our primary mission uh, is to respond to mishaps and quite literally get in front of the costs. Going back to memorials, most people will make the trip. For example, unfortunately, earlier this year, April of 2018, we had a CH-53 mishap and we lost four people. Yeah. There were several people that flew from across the nation to come out here for this memorial. Um, and they would have came regardless. But then on the tail end of it, they'd be probably looking at you know a couple thousand dollars in credit card bills. Right. We want to get in front of all that because I believe that our donors expect that of us. But also something that we've been working quite hard on this last year is the first part of our mission statement, which is to honor the sacrifices of our fallen air warriors. The second part is to support the families they left behind. But physical memorials is something that we're starting to focus on. We've already put a few in uh, in Mount Soledad, but to the point of, of what I would like the donors to know is we have a decent amount of strategic reserve, so we are ready for any mishap as soon as it occurs. Uh, people don't have to worry about us having to go, you know, take a dollar from something and put it something else. Right. We've, we've been able to build enough of a buffer to include while these mishaps are occurring, we will still continue with our other mission to make sure that family members have a place to go remember their fallen. I work with several Gold Star wives and one mother at the Wingman Foundation. That is the biggest thing that I've gotten from them. And actually, our, our physical memorial shop, as it were, is ran mm. by three Gold Star wives. That's amazing. Yeah. Can I ask you what amount of the money that comes in goes to the family. So if $100 comes in, how much goes out to the people you support? 97 cents. 
Uh, well, every hundred dollars. Oh, ninety-seven dollars. So okay. we're so if we have a ninety-seven. Sorry, we have a ninety-seven percent flow-through rate uh, for all program costs. This year, we will actually dip to about ninety, which we believe to be still pretty respectable. Right. For the longest time, it was ninety-seven percent. That's where we held it. We're all volunteer. We're able to pull it off. But we're growing as an organization, and and some of our over some of our non-program costs are, are starting to creep up a little bit, which is okay because we still have a good amount of uh, sponsorship. So we. We don't spend any money on ourselves. However, we are going to expand a little bit more, do some more uh, events, uh, which will bring the number down a bit. But the board of directors, the executive director, and myself have all slapped a table. We will not let it go below 90%. Yeah. Well, and that is impressive because the team is how big? How many people? Right now, we have approximately 15 volunteers at the Wingman Foundation. And for some of you, like yourself, I mean, this is almost a second full-time job, right? So if I'm not working, I'm working at Wingman. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, it's a labor uh, of and, love, I'm and sure. It is, and, and I don't want to take anything away from I have, We have some amazing people. I run the operations part of it, which I always think is funny because we got success when we put a maintenance guy in charge of operations. <laughs> uh, but, no, I, I run the operations uh, part of it, and, and the people that I have over there, to include some of the Gold Star wives, make the work that I do look not that great, meaning that they're, they're in the fight just as much as I am. Yeah. Tell me about some of the outreach the Wingman Foundation does. What are some of the programs? Oh, so that's a great question. Uh, first of all, we do scholarships. Uh, oh. So we, we modeled our first two scholarships after two American heroes. One was Lieutenant Colonel Otis Rabel. He was the uh, uh, VMA 211, which is a Harrier squadron. In 2012, uh, unfortunately, the insurgents got through the wire and started to attack the Marines at Bastion in Afghanistan and destroyed several of their Harriers. Yeah. Lieutenant Colonel Rabel uh, led a counter-assault and started to direct Marines, and unfortunately him and another individual named Sergeant Atwell were killed. Uh, So our first scholarship was modeled after Lieutenant Colonel Rabel. Uh, His wife, Donna Rabel, is is a good friend of ours and and stays with us with that. The second one is after Mike Martino, a Cobra driver that went down in Iraq. Uh, So the purpose of both these scholarships is they're $5,000 a piece. We do both a graduate and an undergraduate. And really it's just to provide another avenue for service members and their children to apply. Uh, and so we're pretty proud of that. We also do a few more smaller scholarships that are kind of relegated to a specific area. Those are our main ones. The other types of outreach that we would do is this year, we pulled off a full operations calendar. Earlier this year, uh, we did a memorial walk in Washington, D.C., which is now the flagship event for the Wingman Foundation. And it's this, 20 miles around Washington, D.C., every mile we stop and we talk about a mishap crew or a couple crews, depending on how many people are nominated. What I say by nominated is is this year we, we put out a poll and we asked people who they wanted to remember, mm-hmm. and then we plug and played everything. What was very interesting about that event is we had several Gold Star family members there. And this isn't really a term, but I started using it, Gold Star Friends. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we all have friends that, we, that didn't come home. Uh, it's one of the motivations for me to be here. Right. But there's people that we call family that aren't blood. And uh, so... The Gold Star families were out there, Gold Star friends, and then several squadron members. We stepped off at with 140 people in Washington, D.C., and, and the majority of them made it. There were Gold Star parents there that were significantly older than me that made that whole walk, and wow. that thing challenged me. And, and it, was, uh, it was very impressive. But my point for all of that is watching that and seeing the interaction between the families and the service members and just individuals. We, we picked a few people up along the way. It was amazing. Right. So that was a good example of our outreach. We also completed this last year with two, two running events. 
one being in Pensacola, Florida, which is the cradle of naval aviation. Yep. Uh, we were super happy to go down there, uh, get to know the community, get to know the flight schools. Uh, we did a good job, and we got asked back, which we're pretty proud of. Good. We just completed our last event for the year. We are always open for mishaps, but we are doing our last event of the year in Corpus Christi, Texas, and it was the Red Stripe Memorial Run. Coincidentally, it was a Hornet that went down two years ago, December 8th. So Jake Frederick uh, was the pilot. Uh, His wife, Kylie Frederick, is now part of the Wingman Foundation. Uh, And this last event really culminated the year for us because we had over 100 runners in Corpus Christi, but worldwide we had over 350. We had a remote runner um, option on the site that we used. Oh, cool. Uh, And we had individuals that ran it in Cambridge, Massachusetts, Okinawa, Hawaii, you name it. We had people sending us pictures. It was very emotional, especially for Kylie, who was at the event for us, the entire Frederick family. Mm -hmm. They're my family as well. I got to know them pretty well. Yeah. Uh, So... Those are the types of things that we do as an organization to show the, the fleet and the community really what we're really all about. The mishap response will always be there no matter what. However, when we're not responding to that, we want to be honoring our fallen with physical memorials. We mm-hmm. want to be out interacting with the public. We also have the Wingman Endurance Team, which a friend of mine, uh, Justin Topping, who is a no-kidding Ironman, he, he qualified for the Ironman World Championships this next year. Wow. Again. <laughs> okay. Uh, underachiever. <laughs> he's an underachiever yeah. by far. Uh, he's uh, Him and I founded it. Uh, I just have one marathon under my belt, so I'm sort of part of the, the team. <laughs> uh, but we have some world-class athletes running around. Okay. All of them volunteer. They didn't want nothing. They just wanted to come here, put our colors on, and go run. Uh, last year, that team was just not even trying, responsible for $27,000 of fundraising. That's cool. So those are the types of things we, that we'd like to do. And mm-hmm. quite honestly, things like this we want to get more involved with because, as you said before, money is important, and, and we have to talk about it a little bit. But quite honestly, the money conversation happens as soon as we go to work. We'd rather talk about other things. Right. What does the fleet want? What would the community like to see from us? Things like that. You know, Leroy, it's it's an interesting situation because as long as we're flying, there will be mishaps. Yes. And as long as there's mishaps, there will be affected squadrons and families. And and what I see from the Wingman Foundation is a group of folks who are doing their best to try to offer closure and help, frankly, and, you know, the funds when they're needed. But it sounds to me, I didn't understand this until we started talking, but it sounds to me you're also providing... I don't want to call it therapy, but I don't know what else to call it. I mean, you, you said you have that one widow who's now part of the team, and you mm-hmm. said you had some mothers that are helping. I mean, you're providing an opportunity for them to be involved and probably to partly deal with their grief in doing so with the Wingman Foundation as well. Well, I would never speak for a gold star wife or mother. Uh, no matter how many of them I meet, the strength of those individuals blow me away. Yeah. I think that they get something out from being here, but I can honestly tell you, I think we get way more out of them being here. Yeah. Uh, I know I do. And and just having them in the room when we're having a conversation with a recent Gold Star wife, I believe that they are here for whatever reason drives them. But just talking to people like uh, Ashley, uh, Lucas Savish, whose husband was was unfortunately killed in Vengeance Zero One. He was the the helicopter Huey pilot that was flying into Nepal trying to to rescue more civilians and his helicopter went down. Mm. Her and I have become pretty good friends and she's actually the lead of our physical memorial shop. You know, listen to that lady talk and talk about the struggles that she's dealt with since losing her husband and just coming through these things. I I believe that they definitely are better for it, but we are a ton better for it. 
Yeah, well, it sounds like it, and I applaud what you guys are doing. Where can people find more information about the Wingman Foundation? Um, well, we have social media, uh, Facebook and Instagram, pretty simple, the Wingman Foundation. Uh, on Twitter, it's uh, Wingman Found, uh, and our website is wingmanfoundation.org. Excellent, and we will link to those from our site. We're going to begin partnership, and I am certainly not asking for anything in return. This is the right thing to do, and I like that it's Navy Marine Corps themed because that is my background. Is there an equivalent of this for other services, maybe the Air Force? Not that we're aware of. I believe that, for example, Air Force Special Operations Command has a foundation, mm -hmm. but we're unaware of an overall organization that would support Army or Air Force Air in mm -hmm. general. And you guys, to your credit, are specific, but I wonder, does anyone ever get upset at you guys for, oh, why can't you help Sergeant, you know, Jones who was killed on a tank or army private such and such. I mean, I like the fact that you're very focused, but I wonder if maybe others don't for whatever reason. No, nobody's really upset. First off, none of us really knew much about nonprofits before we started, but what I've learned is you have to be very specific with your mission if you want to be able to be effective and honestly keep your doors open. Mm -hmm. uh, so we narrowed that. But no, the times that we've been asked for support that we can't support, one of the executive staff would, will respond to that email and have a very real conversation with the individuals. Uh, recently, I actually had a, a Navy chief here at North Island call me because there was an individual that was unfortunately killed on a motorcycle accident. That's outside of our mission scope. It's not that, that we don't want to support. Of course, it's, it's still tragic. It, it is absolutely tragic, and my heart goes out to that unit and that family. It just comes down to a point where we have to stay focused on aviation mishaps right. or we wouldn't be able to provide the level of support that we provide. And I think that's the right answer. I mean, you have to stay focused, and this is the mission statement and the purpose of the organization, and maybe there are others out there for motorcycle mishaps, or maybe there's something out there for the Air Force and the Army, and if not, they ought to borrow your template because you've obviously proven that it works, and I want to congratulate you for that, and you've provided the link, so again, we'll make sure everyone is aware of that. And any parting shots, though, on the Wingman Foundation? Um, well, I would just like to take this moment to thank all of our supporters. In October, it made us, we were four years old, and we had already transitioned to the seven-figure category, wow. uh, which puts us in a unique position as an all-volunteer organization because out of we're the top 10% of 501c series in this country. So we're very proud of that. We wouldn't be Wingman without the people behind us. Sure. And so everybody here needs to understand that we know that. Outstanding. Well, I almost hate to ask these final two questions because it takes the attention off the Wingman Foundation and back on you, frankly, Leroy, but it is what we do here on the show. So what's the future hold for you, kind sir? So I'm going to be at Wingman for a long time. Uh, my goal is to continue to run operations and to continue to bring in quality volunteers, uh, train them, mentor them, and make Wingman have so much depth on the bench that no matter what happens, and I'm not talking mishaps, but no matter what we want to get into, mm -hmm. uh, we, can, we can make sure that it happens, and we can make sure it happens right. Excellent. All right, and you're going to keep doing your V-22 gig out at Miramar to pay the bills, I'm guessing? Yeah, yes. Unfortunately, right. I have to have a real job for a while. <laughs> uh, I, I've been a, a V-22 Osprey guy for a long time, so I'm, I'm very fond of that community. Sure. So I think I'm going to be there for a long time as All well. Right. Excellent. And then our final question on the show is always, how did the guest get his call sign? So you are Ricky Savage, but call sign Leroy. So who came up with that and for what reason? Well, years ago, when I got to my first squadron and started flying, um, there was this World of Warcraft video uh, mm -hmm. that had this guy that was freaking out. <laughs> his call sign, or his name was Leroy Jenkins. Long story short, if you want to, go to YouTube, look up Leroy Jenkins. It's funny. So uh, the point being is, is this individual was waiting for some people to get some stuff done. 
ran out of patience, went and got it done. I get, I don't get paralysis <laughs> by analysis. Okay. I'm good with about 80% of the information. Uh-huh. Uh, so I was a little aggressive in my, my younger years. Uh, I have since learned to restrain that a bit. I do not act like that at wingman. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was definitely an appropriate call sign because I will always get it done yeah. is really my, my point. <laughs> Well, you are a Marine after all. You yes. guys get things done. I do remember when that video became famous or, or notorious, whatever you want to call it. I was at the weapons school in Lemoore at the time, and people loved it so much that it almost became a calm brevity term. Yeah. In other words, if you're going to just go straight into the fight and devil may care kind of thing, then you called Leroy Jenkins. Everybody <laughs> knew what you were doing. So, all right, excellent. Well, Leroy, this has been a very sobering discussion. Um, I, I, I don't think there's any way around that. What we do is risky, and unfortunately, it doesn't always work out. You and I both know personally many people who are no longer with us because of their service and sacrifice, ultimately, to the rest of us. And it's serious business. And I, for one, am glad, is an understatement, that there are organizations out there like yours that really offer hope and a beacon of light in a world where we are so hell-bent on pointing out differences and arguing every little thing. Uh, you guys are, are an encouragement and a hope, and uh, I, I'm just really glad for you guys. Well, thank you, and thank you for having the Wingman Foundation on today. Well, it is my hope that we can help make sure you guys have the resources available to do the things you want to do. And again, we will link to you, wingmanfoundation.org. We'll have you prominently displayed on our website where folks, if they feel so inclined, can help. On behalf of the listener, Leroy as well, I want to thank you for your 25 years of service to the nation through the Marine Corps and your continued service through the Wingman Foundation. Not to mention your 10 deployments, which is probably, what, five years or more of total time gone just being deployed? I I quit counting after, like, the seventh. (laughs) Wow. Well, thank you, my friend, for everything you do. Thanks for your time today. And I want to wish you and the Wingman Foundation the best of luck in supporting what is otherwise a difficult time. But we know it's going to happen, and it sounds like it happened today. So thanks for your time, and thanks for doing what you guys do. Thank you. All right. Let's get out of here. Jello, wow, what an amazing American, though. Leroy going through 10 deployments. Just a stunning American with a great organization and a great mission. Absolutely. A great dude doing a great job with a great organization. I'm just thrilled to begin a partnership with them. And I call it a partnership in so much as we're just going to point people to them as much as we can. We're not asking for anything in return, but I believe in their mission. I believe in who they're helping and for what reason. And so we're going to do everything we can here on the Fighter Pilot Podcast to help make sure that they have the resources they need. So with this episode airing on our website, you should see a banner. And if, as I've already mentioned in the episode interview there, if you feel so inclined, consider adding them to your list of organizations to support. Now, Sunshine, Vengeance Zero One, when he mentioned that, I didn't know what that was. And I had to do some research and learned that that was a Huey that was lost during post-earthquake recovery operations in Nepal last spring. Had you heard about that when that went down? Uh, I remember it vaguely, but I also had to Google it to get a, a better understanding. Yeah, that's tragic because they lost a handful of Marines and a couple Nepalese soldiers that were on board helping out. And I don't know, and it's usually difficult to figure out exactly what caused the mishap. 
but it took the lives of a few folks there, and that's obviously tragic, as were all of the many different incidents and mishaps that he listed. I mean, my goodness, every every new topic we brought up, it seemed like it was a new mishap. And unfortunately, that comes with the territory in this business, as we mentioned. Yeah, I was touched to hear how he had mentioned Danella, who is a former Lieutenant Colonel Otis Rabel's wife. Uh, you remember Otis was unfortunately taken down by some aggressors or some insurgents there at Camp Bastion, which was a UK forward operating base. And they actually shared a runway with Camp Leatherneck. So Otis was actually over on the Leatherneck side, to my understanding, but then he ran over to help defend the uh, common airfield, if you will. And he and Sergeant, wow. yeah, and he and Sergeant Atwell, unfortunately, perished during the fight. So just a, an amazing story about a fantastic American, and it's very neat. And I was touched to hear how Danella still helps out with the organization, and I hope their three kids are doing really well. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a difficult deal, and that one particularly. You know, every Marine a rifleman, he took that to heart did his best. And I want to say they lost, gosh, four or five AV-8B Harriers in that attack as well. And the insurgents knew what they were doing and had a plan. I hope someone makes a movie about this someday. It was the biggest loss for the Marine Corps since the Vietnam War. Wow. That tells you something, aircraft-wise. Yeah, absolutely. And Otis, just a shout out, he was a Pennsylvania boy like myself. He he hailed from Irwin, PA, which is the, the coal country out toward the West. All right. Well... Our hearts go out to that family and all of the ones mentioned in Ricky's discussion with us today. And he touched on scholarships that they are getting into. So I want to play a piece for you with a friend of mine that is another organization that helps military dependents. This one from Wings Over America. Let's give it a listen. Okay, here to help explain Wings Over America Scholarship Foundation is Miss Midori Gray. How are you doing, Midori? Hi, how are you today? I'm doing great. Great. Tell us about Wings Over America. Let's just call it that to keep it brief. Okay. What is it? Uh, Wings Over America Scholarship Foundation is a foundation that provides scholarships towards dependent children and spouses. For U.S. Navy personnel. For U.S. Navy personnel, mm-hmm. okay. And so scholarships, is it necessarily higher education like college? It's for colleges, but it's not towards master's degree. So we award scholarships for community college, trade, and technical, and traditional college. Oh, cool. How did this organization come to be? In 1987, a group of Airland Wives Club decided there was a need for a scholarship within the aviation community. So they decided to start fundraising by means of bake sales and um, fashion shows, and that was how it started. (laughs) Okay. mm -hmm. All right. And Airland, meaning the air component of the Navy on the Atlantic side of the coast, so over in Norfolk, Virginia, for example. All right. And so you said already that it serves dependent children of Navy personnel? It also includes spouses as well. Spouses. Okay. So what are the amounts typically that are awarded? Amounts typically awarded ranges because some of them are recurring. Some of them are just one time. Okay. So I think the last one that I saw, the highest was like $3,000. Okay. And so if a person wins once, are they kind of taken out of the hat for next time? No, not necessarily. Okay. Yeah. There is a recurring scholarship that they could do every single year. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And how do dependents and spouses apply for this? You can go to our website, wingsoveramerica.us, and there is a link for a scholarship application. And there's more information as far as exactly how to apply when the deadlines are on the website. Perfect. And eligibility, I would imagine, has to be verified, Mm -hmm. et cetera. All right. And how is money raised that's given for scholarships? 
Our foundation is funded by private and corporate means, and we have different fundraisers throughout the year. Uh, we have things on the East Coast and things on the West Coast. Our biggest event on the West Coast is called Weekend for Wings. Okay. Um, it will happen February 2019 um, for and, next year. And here in Coronado? Yes, okay. here in Coronado. So there's a golf tournament, right? There is a golf tournament, and there is a happy hour at McPee's that you can join All right. us. Right, okay. And it ends with the concert and auction okay. at the Island Club. Okay, and so Island. the auction being there's various, like, baskets and mm -hmm. things available and people right. can go and bid and then at the end right we have items that you can check out um, that's going to be displayed at the island club and we have live auction so you'll have your back paddle and you'll be able to bid that way oh cool we also did online bidding so anyone that's not located in coronado or can attend mm -hmm. can also still bid on the items that are available online oh cool yeah and how many scholarships are awarded annually? Annually, we give out 50 scholarships, and last year we awarded $220,000. And over the lifetime of our scholarship foundation, we've awarded $1.6 million. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you. Well, for those who might be so inclined to help spouses and dependent children of Navy officers and enlisted, where can they find more information and how can they help? You can find more information on our website, wingsoveramerica.us. You can also look us up on Facebook. And the way you can help is if you're a business and you'd like to donate items to our auction, please give us a contact through Facebook or through email that's listed on the website. We're always looking for more donors. Mm -hmm. And we're also looking for corporate donors for the golf tournament as well. So if right. you'd like to sponsor a whole, that'd be great. We didn't mention it at the beginning, but I take it for granted that it is a nonprofit. It is a non, yes, 501c3. 501c3. Yes, it is a nonprofit. Okay. So anything that you donate will be tax deductible. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for coming on to explain Wings Over America Scholarship Foundation, Midori. Thank you so much. Okay. Yeah, thanks for the soundbite. Another amazing organization, Wings Over America, providing a fantastic resource college scholarships for service members kids you betcha and midori did a great job of explaining yeah for sure all right well i think that is about all the time we'll have for this episode being that it is december i want to remind everyone that if you are looking for gift ideas for a military aviation enthusiast or you need to tell someone some ideas for you we recommend you send them over to fighterpilotpodcast.com and click on the shop tab where you can find home decor items, apparel, even some books that might be of interest to you, and our friend Hal over at Velatus with their wine service, which is also fighter pilot themed. And again, if you're shopping on Amazon and you're not already supporting an organization, which you could, I believe, with Wings Over America or the Wingman Foundation. So go to them first, but if you still are needing someone to support with your purchases, consider supporting the Fighter Pilot Podcast because it offers us a little affiliate revenue, and it costs you nothing extra in your purchases. I want to remind the listener that the views expressed in this presentation are the personal views of the hosts and do not necessarily represent the position of the Department of Defense or its components, but I should say, Sunshine, that our guests do speak for the organizations they represented on our show today. And that will do it for this episode. What else you got there, Sunshine? That's about it. Just looking forward to the holidays. Yeah, it's always a fun time of year. We just finally put up our tree recently, and, you know, I'll be gone on some trips, but 
always a good time of year. Indeed it is. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy New Year. Whatever else you celebrate, enjoy yourselves. And we'll see you next time. What do we say, Sunshine? Let's get out of here, Jello. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Fighter Pilot Podcast. Got a question for the show? Send an email to questions at fighterpilotpodcast.com or leave a message on our listener line at 877-MACH-101. That's 877-622-4101. Be sure to check out our website at fighterpilotpodcast.com. You can also find us on all the usual social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. For exclusive Fighter Pilot Podcast content and to help support the show, visit our Patreon page. Please like, follow, and share us with your network. And if you have a moment to leave us a rating or review on iTunes, we would greatly appreciate it. Mishaps into as possible so people would be like, that happened? Yeah. That happened? Yeah, no, that happened? Good. This is going to be not counting like the Harrier that crashed because the guy made it out of it. This will be the 10th mishap this year. We only wow. had six last year. Wow. Yeah.